0: A crossover in the making. Monster meets monster. Untamed beast versus unnamed brute. It's Frankenstein meets the wolfman. Mafia, wake up.
1: Wake up. Wake
0: up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you.
1: Eric, which disc did you use? Did you use it out of the Wolfman case or the Frankenstein case?
0: I used it out of the Wolfman case.
1: Oh, I was team Frankenstein.
0: Mm, I was was team wolf. (laughs) Mm,
1: Well, it turns out neither one of our characters won.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they end up both dying pretty tragic deaths. Well, they probably didn't die. They probably (laughs) did Uh, but you know what they say about death, Alex? I, I think movie
1: podcasts always love it when you talk about the ending first.
0: <laughs> uh, you know what they say about death, though, Alex?
1: It can never come quick enough.
0: No, they say, <laughs> For life is short, but death is long. Farola, faroli. This is where you're supposed to repeat. Faro La Furali. Faro Fa for a lee. Welcome into MVM. Faro la fa, ro, fa, fa, Alex ro, is brash oh. and makes a splash. Eric's always right cause he's so bright. Faro la feroe. Fa, <laughs> Farofa Man, you are good, Alex. <laughs> <laughs>
1: How exciting, Eric. I didn't expect all that.
0: <laughs> hey, that was that was uh, at request of, of Andrew Roebuck, so Andrew oh, Roebuck, there you go, right. man. Yep. Well, <laughs> we could do that for you. This is the Monsters vs. Men podcast, the bargain basement of the Monster podcasting airwaves. This week, we are discussing Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. With me today... I've got none other than the Hidden Journal of Terrible Secrets, Alex. Oh,
1: and joining me, as always, the f- still frozen
0: in ice, <laughs> <laughs> Eric. Still frozen in ice monster, Eric. Uh, thank you, Alex. Uh, before we jump in, we have some thank yous. This is kind of our final round of thank yous. Uh, we've, we've gone through our current patrons, and today we want to thank Dan um, who is our only patron outside of the United States. And oh. Dan is great. You know, he, Dan has bought, uh, universal movies just to watch along with the podcast. Really? Um, yeah. So, so he's great. The only thing I, I hold against him is that he is a Manchester city fan. Um, but I, I can forgive him for that.
1: Oh, well I can forgive him for liking soccer at all. I guess. <sighs> <laughs> Just kidding everybody. Soccer's fine.
0: We also want to thank Chris. Um Chris is a relatively newer listener to the show, but has been really active over on our uh Patreon page and it's been really fun to interact with Chris. Um I've enjoyed getting to know Chris uh through those means he always has feedback on almost every MVM episode and MVM plus episode. I really appreciate that feedback that we get from Chris.
1: Yeah, I, I do too. It, it, it's always fun to talk to the people on our Patreon. Um, something I've been meaning to do is just be more active in there yeah, and less so on Twitter. And I just think, you know, that way we, it's just a little silo for people who like these weird, obscure, maybe well, they're not that obscure movies. Um, yeah. That oh that are watching along and all that stuff. So yeah. you know, big thank you to uh, you know you now that we've gotten everybody. Thank you to all our patrons. We really appreciate it. Y'all
0: are the best, and, and we love
1: talking to you all.
0: I didn't even mention John Alex yet.
1: Uh, oh, did we not? I thought you said it was the last one
0: Chris <laughs> John's the last one we Our just... newest executive producer But to be fair, John John gets his due today He is uh, <laughs> we, we speak with him on MVM Plus uh, About a whole lot of things uh, It was a super fun interview um, So, yeah, once again though, John Thank you so much for your support All of your our patrons, memes. all of our bargain base mites you all have been awesome. Um, we really do appreciate you. Uh, we told John this, but it is the reason that we keep the show going the way that we do. is just for our listeners and supporters. We enjoy the show. We'd be watching movies, I think, and still talking about them all the time. But one of the main reasons that we keep on exposing ourselves to, to newer um, avenues that we're not used to and, and kind of challenging ourselves and, and having these purposeful recordings is because of you all. So so thank you for listening. We really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you all very
0: much. All right, Alex, shall we jump into Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman? I guess so, if we're not doing sports talk. <laughs> Here we go. In 2022, we might be oversaturated with crossovers. But let's be honest. There's a reason for this. They're fun. Our favorite characters in one franchise meet our favorite characters in another. In 1943, though, crossovers would have been new, different, and probably just as exciting. But does this crossover excite, fright, or fail to ignite? Ooh.
1: Well, for me overall, I think this one actually definitely excites. You know, was it partially low expectations, like rock bottom? Or was it like the, an actually decent movie? I think it's probably a combination of both. <laughs> for, yeah, for me, I don't think either one of us was expecting anything from this movie. Um, and you know, but what we did get was not what I expected. I, I did expect to get a sequel with you know, or I, I didn't really quite expect to get a sequel with uh, for, of the Wolfman and a sequel. Somewhat of Ghost of Frankenstein, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But the the weird omission, you know, there is a weird omission here. Like the the monster is no longer Igor; it's right. somehow reverted back to the monster. That's my only complaint with the continuity of this. I don't know how <laughs> that happened. Um, but other than that, though, I I think this movie is a really solid follow up to those movies you know first off this is definitely wolfman's movie not frankenstein or the monsters movie no doubt about it you know mm-hmm. if you think the monster is going to be taking center stage here and that he's going to be the, the center of like some sort of commentary or something like that you're definitely going to be disappointed mm. i for one do like this direction it's thunderstorming here. Everybody might be able to listen. It's kind of appropriate for this movie. Um, mm-hmm. And I, so I do like the direction of this one. I think Lon Chaney turns in a really mm. great performance here. Yeah. This is his best yet without mm-hmm. a doubt. Mm-hmm. And his performance is so good that he lays down this convincing character who just wants to die, but can't, you know, yeah. our, Now I'm praising it a lot. And I, are there issues, though? Yeah. Mm. You know, there there are. I'll, I'll get into those maybe a little bit more later. But, Eric, I kind of want to get your general impressions on this. What, what are you thinking? Mm.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think this crossover definitely has some high points. But, yeah, I think it actually falls a bit short for me. Maybe even uh, shorter than last week's film, which really impressed me, The Mummy's Tomb which I'm sure won't make everybody happy. (laughs) Uh, But I I just, that is my initial impression, but there's also a whole lot to love here. Um, I I definitely uh, have, have a lot of positives to talk about. So we'll get to my issues in a second. First, I'll just echo what you said. Um, We get to see Lon Chaney Jr.'s internal struggle even more in this film than we did in the Wolfman. His explosion at the wine festival really demonstrates this hidden anger within Larry that, again, we just didn't see much in The Wolfman. Granted, Lon Chaney's initial shock isn't very convincing there. I think it's a little weird. Uh, but his boiling anger definitely uh, convinced me of his emotions. The whole wine festival scene is, is really delightful, actually. Yeah, no, I didn't was- expect a musical number this week. But you probably didn't expect a musical number in the podcast either. But here we are. (laughs) Uh, Continuing with with Larry's character, though, um, I I also like the fact that he has a natural empathy towards the monster, even though Mm -hmm. that empathy is a bit complicated. He can't help but free the monster from the ice. But he also wants to use the monster for his own ends, like everybody else, right? Yeah. Lastly, there is something tragic about Larry's situation. That further perpetuates some of the conversation we had um, concerning mental health and the power of mental health in our Wolfman episode. Larry wants to die because he can't control himself. He's in the mortal in a mortal world where he is the cause for others' mortality. Mm,
1: yeah, that and the, and that's really the entire point of this film. Really, is you know that element of him but it being unable to keep himself from killing others. Uh And it's actually kind of reminiscent of one of my favorite movies of this series, Dracula's daughter. Uh, but somehow I think it's actually even more tragic. Uh, I think the character is even more tragic, I should say. Yeah. yeah. But that's because the character kind of hates himself, Mm. um, much more than Dracula's daughter ever did. But again, his performance really sells that, disdain almost that he feels for himself and this thing that he can't control. And he, I think he really manages to be the successful, sad driving force for this film. Like you never lose your empathy for him, which mm-hmm. is important because frankly, that is something that the, the, some of these universal monster movies have struggled to deal with. Uh, a lot of times we don't feel the empathy for these characters that we feels like the film is telling us that we should, Yes. But they just don't quite land it. Like, again, I know this is probably a controversial thing to say, but it didn't work for me, really, in the first Frankenstein movie. They got the empathy. They, they had it for me. But then it, kept, they, it felt for me that they kept losing the grip on it. And by the end of the film, I really wasn't quite feeling that empathy for them anymore.
0: Well, Frankenstein certainly lost the grip on little Maria And he dropped her into the
1: lake. He sure did. So I really like that This one is able to nail it. um, Especially at the, throughout the film. Now, what I'm also uh, is, what I really like is that his, his, his insistence on dying is pointed and you really hit the nail on the head with the wine scene. Mm -hmm. That is really where everything comes to a head. And, I'm really talking about Lon Chaney a lot probably because he is the most the important point. and really the only thing that only character that I really liked a lot yeah. in this, uh, which is a, a critic, I guess one of my criticisms of the film, but I am just excited that we got something from him. I didn't know how great he would be. Right. Cause I know you and me are a little more iffy on his performance. <laughs> In The Wolfman. So to see him to have these poignant moments is uh, a relief and exciting to see. You know, this actor did get relegated to non-talking roles. (laughs) Hmm. So it's like, oh, maybe he doesn't really have the chops. But here, I think we actually get to see it. So I'm excited to to, to see maybe what we get from him in the future.
0: Yeah, I I think he absolutely is one of the best parts of this film. Um, My issues more come along the lines of the plot, which like many crossovers, it just felt a little convoluted, a little contrived, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Larry puts so much weight into Frankenstein's journal, but there's no guarantee that this journal will hold any secret that he needs. It just feels a little rash to me. Further, I, I don't like Dr. Frank mannerings turn to the dark side of science he all of a sudden at the end there he's just like i've got to see him at full strength and he reverses course 100 percent. he was much more compelling as the scientist that had empathy for both of our monsters dilemmas mm. until these final moments i was actually reading the baroness frankenstein as the antagonist of sorts because of her insistence of frankenstein monsters destruction Right? Mm. Correct me if I'm wrong, but in this movie, the Frankenstein monster actually commits no crime b- besides scaring people, right? And, and maybe this is the reason Mannering can't pull the trigger on him at the end. But I always felt that Mannering's resistance to the Baroness was more wanting to help Larry than an obsession with power. But alas, he succumbs to the very same trappings <laughs> as his predecessors and lives up to the Frank name. Right. I
1: mean, you're not wrong. These elements here are contrived. Now, I do I do disagree about certain elements of it, like the uh Larry putting so much weight on Frankenstein's journal. Mm. Yes. There is no guarantee, but it's also literally his only hope mm. as far as he knows. So It makes sense that he would put everything into it even if it may not be able to help so i actually actually bought his uh essentially an obsession with it now as for dr frank mannering what was that yeah he just suddenly wants him to be a full strength Yeah. I, I don't I don't get it. Like like is this some weird commentary on uh scientist's insatiable curiosity that drives them to create things that destroy? Like if, if that was the plan and that's the intended message, well, it was done pretty poorly. Yeah. Uh it's just it's just too out of nowhere to make any sense for me. Um, it was
0: just that the, there was a compelling Aspect I thought in the dynamic between him and the Baroness Frankenstein that mm-hmm. wanted the monster killed, you you felt like he was going to kill the monster, but but like uh, the tension there felt like he was going to put priority on helping Frank above any other sort of of um, priority mm-hmm. that he had. Right, right, right. Uh, I I agree. And so it felt like the Baroness didn't have any sort of empathy for the monster, uh, or really, ultimately, for Frank, um, because her end goal was just to destroy the monster at all costs. Because she, again, she probably knows the the monster's past, of course. So it's well, it killed her dad, she would, right? She would want to get rid of this monster, but this monster in this incarnation of him hasn't done anything right uh you see you see him several times having pleasant interactions with the other characters in the film and yet she is so insistent she just ended up feeling a bit like the antagonist but then it turns out that the antagonist was right about the scientist that was our protagonist (laughs) for the entire (laughs) film so it was just it felt strange to me
1: yeah, I mean I, I buy her wanting to destroy him, even if he is mm-hmm. being nice. You know, you, you if someone goes out and kills your dad and oh, then yeah. the next time you see them, they're being nice to everybody, doesn't doesn't change anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: You I, know, I, th- I, th- yeah,
1: this I, monster I, has killed many people. Now, whether it had its right a right to do so or not, as far as she's concerned, no. And in the last film, I would say no. Um and so I, I I think she's totally justified in wanting this thing to go away. Now, I agree that if you wanted this thing to be scary, you should have had him kill somebody or hurt somebody or do something like that. But they don't really do that. So I, I could see that being an issue. But given the history of the monster and its history with her family, I don't blame her for wanting to get rid of this thing.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm but uh, yeah. I, I, it's just the cohesion there it's just mm. the cohesion of all these different pieces that that don't really align for me yeah yeah i i, I get that but i can, i can get that i can understand her motivation as well for sure yeah I, I,
1: and then my only other real complaint is the end of this film you know mm. things get really fun and exciting you get the you you get this final battle the water water's crashing down around him, miniatures and the sets are all beginning to break and everything is built to this big crescendo. It's so exciting. And then the castle gets knocked over and Mm -hmm. the end. That's it. (laughs) You know, there's no, Uh, there's no final thought. There's no, but which is okay. I don't need like some real ham fisted finale. Right. You don't need a Godzilla ending. Right. I don't need a Godzilla ending, but I need something and, and the the I need the music to play out in a, in a way that makes more sense. And that they're it just ends. It feels like they're in a battle. We don't see our, what happens to our characters, which is sequel bait to be quite frank. Mm-hmm. Um, is all this is, is they're they're just wanting to create a sequel cuz we know our characters aren't dead, but there's just so much left hanging that it's just an unsatisfactory ending right like there's nothing being left to our imaginations we know they lived water is not going to kill these two so it just feels unsatisfying it feels like the stopgap to an extended story and I, th- I think frankly the ending devalues the rest of the movie because it feels like it's just not that important now because we're gonna get them back later at least we should hmm and Lockers, so, I, yeah, I, I just, I just think this ending is a it harms the rest of the film overall.
0: Huh. I, I don't know if it harms it, but I, I have a one complaint about it as well. But real quick before that complaint, I think we both appreciate Bella Lugosi slash Lugosi, but <laughs> he is definitely the least intimidating Frankenstein monster so far. Um, And Mm -hmm. I know he was originally cast as the monster in the original Frankenstein, but I'm just so glad that we ended up with Karloff in that role um, because he's fantastic. And I don't think Lugosi is right for this role necessarily. Mm. Um, I did want to speak about the end like you, because I think it's pretty fantastic. Last week we got the fire and the mob mentality this week Mm -hmm. we get the water and an individual taking matters into his own hand. It was definitely uh, a ending that make you, that made you say, Oh damn. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But I really did enjoy the miniature work and the battles between the monsters. Um, I I just thought it was really cool. uh, Honestly, like all the miniature work was, was really cool. Even the setup, even though it was contrived, I liked how it ended up. The battle was fun; it was. I had a great time with it. My complaint, though, is similar to my complaint about the Countess, and it's just like I'm confused about these people's roles here and like like how the, they end up in the story. Because is the character's name the person who sets the dynamite to destroy the dam? Mm. Is that Vazek? Maybe it um, might be. One of those. (laughs) One of those guys. Uh, He sets up the dynamite to destroy the dam, to destroy the castle. And he's set up as the antagonist in this role, right? Mm. And it's it's set up as a very negative thing that he's doing. He's taking matters into his own hands at the expense of everybody else is what it feels like. Right. And yet there are no consequences for his actions. In fact, (laughs) really, if you read the story and you read that ending, you think, well, he was the hero, actually. (laughs) Right. right? He was the hero. He destroyed the monsters, if we believe that they're destroyed, and there's no consequences. What would have been interesting is is if there were consequences to his actions. If the flood had continued on and they were going to have to deal with these sorts of – this human error, this consequence – um, that they didn't expect.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you, you got get some really good points there. I didn't even think about that.
0: Would have been, mm. cool. been cool. Would have been cool. <laughs> but overall, I, I actually really did didn't like the ending. I didn't have the same problems about. I, it doesn't matter to me that I know that they're going to live. Um, there, there's always going to be a way to. You have to finish these movies and have to finish the monsters off for the meantime, right? So this is okay. Um, there's no definite winner. Though no, Alex, so so, do you have a um, a fight in this battle? Who 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 wins? Frankenstein or the Wolfman?
1: All I know is that audience is lost with this ending.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm Team Wolfman.
1: Alex. Oh, I, I'm, I guess I'm Team Frankenstein's monster since there I opened that DVD case. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, Uh, real quick, before our awards, Alex, I mentioned it at the top of the show, but MVM Plus today is a special MVM Plus. We get to talk with our executive producer, John, on several things, including what got him into monsters and monster movies, his top three Godzilla films, uh, which might ruffle some feathers. Uh, He (laughs) talks about the differences between American and Japanese Godzilla. That's really interesting we also preview our upcoming series. We, we talk about what's coming up for the podcast because um, we are taking a break for Universal for about a six-week gap here. Um, and we talk about that and, and potentially the future of the show. That's all over there, uh, over on MVM uh, Plus at patreon.com forward slash Pod. So if you're interested in that, you can become a bargain-based might And listen to that episode and every other episode of MVM+. All right, man. Staple Awards. Compelling character. Who do you have? I got to give
1: it to um, the good doctor, uh, Dr. Frank Mannering. He's compelling because no one quite understands what's going on with him at the end of the film. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's true. But, you know, this is a man who... At one moment you think he, He's relatable and understandable And then the next minute He just wants to create a Being at full power Just
0: to see what happens Yeah, I mean so it's I can not relate. even his I, field You know, it's like not even right. his field he's, he's a doctor, like a medical doctor You know <laughs> I, I, I can relate
1: to him just wanting to create chaos Yeah I can relate to him <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> you could yeah for sure but honestly you it just goes against this whole character we've seen the entire movie like this yeah. is somebody that has stood up for uh, he stood up for these monsters honestly like throughout the entire entire time um what? i don't know i i find it hard to believe but my most compelling character we mentioned this character on our wolfman episode and i and i think we both called her maleva but she is definitely here maleva who I think is just awesome, Madame Maliva. She's great mm-hmm. in this movie as a compelling yeah, character. She is. I love the fact that she takes Larry, um, kind of as as a second son. It feels like um, she wants to take care of him. She believes in him. She feels probably a bit of responsibility towards him. Um, Mm -hmm. And I like that that she takes on that role and is is going to help him at any cost, even a cost to herself. So, Maliva is an absolutely awesome character in this film.
1: Yeah, she really is. She's
0: awesome. What about your most memorable line award, Alex?
1: It's from Mm Maliva. It's it's when old Larry comes into the camp and he's just like a crazy man. He's not insane. He simply wants to die. Mm. Which yeah, is like the whole thing of this movie, and honestly, I was surprised to see Maliva again. I was just glad to see her.
0: Yeah, I, I was surprised too, but it was yeah, it was great to see her. Um, mine is similar, very similar, and it comes from Larry, who says, and I just love this line because it's just an inverse of what you kind of expect, and you could say this line opposite, and it would work. Um, it's, <laughs> I guess I'll keep on living. There's no hope for me to die. Um, really cool. It really gets to that that conflict that he is dealing with. Yes, um, it does. There's no hope for me to die. That That's an interesting, compelling line for sure. Yeah, it is. What, what about your Can't Believe That Acting Award?
1: I got to give it to Old Ol Maliva. I'm going to give her as many awards as I can. <laughs> um, uh, what was that? What, what was the after Maria Osbuk Aspenskaya. Aspenskaya. <laughs> yeah. Aspenskaya. Yeah. Uh, that sound, you know what that sounded like, Eric? It sounded like All I was right. talking backwards, which was pretty amazing. Wow. Um, you are it was totally intentional. <laughs> totally, totally intentional. Um, but I, her performance is really great. I was glad to see her back first off. But then she also, like you said, it's like she just really sells that that she really wants to help. Mm. She feels responsible. And you can tell that she really does care. And I, I just, I wish we had gotten her in even more of the film, but any maleva is good maleva.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, her acting was great here. Um, I chose and I penciled this one in first, Alex, because
1: I know I would have on
0: Lon Chaney Jr., um, I thought gave a great performance. And I know. Not everybody's a Lon Chaney Jr. fan. Um, I get that. I just think this performance in particular, though, really showcases his range in acting. Yeah. There are a couple moments I didn't really buy um, that were maybe a, a little over the top, actually. But for the most part, I was on board with his journey and believed the fact that <laughs> he. it was painful for him to keep on living. That yeah. that was you could feel that. So I thought Lon Chaney Jr. was was great in this role.
1: I agree. I agree. Now Eric, yeah. what's your? That's a good shot award.
0: It is uh, this shot of the miniatures and the dam from overhead at the end. Not huh. that that's like anything special, the specific shot. But I I, I liked that. Uh, like I liked seeing the miniatures. Um, even though I could tell automatically they're miniatures, right? <laughs> uh, I I still like. The fact that they they tried that that they were using that um, it was pretty cool to see the destruction at the end nothing near what we get in in some of our um, beloved Godzilla films but still fun nonetheless yeah how about absolutely. you
1: yeah mine you know I did this last week I think uh-huh. too but um, it's another opening shot
0: that was a great one that was I was going to choose that one considering it
1: there was a really great opening shot where. We got characters walking downstairs. Mm-hmm. These are the grave robbers. Um, but it's a shot of the the camera follows them going downstairs, and then it mm-hmm. also shows them going back upstairs through this graveyard. And it is just such a it's a complex shot. Yeah. And there's a lot of camera movement. It's obviously on a crane going up and down. Yes. I just really appreciated it, and it's very moody too. Yeah, um yeah. There, there's been times in the series where I've been worried about where cinematography is going mm. um, and whether it's like going away And the We we've seen lately that that is not the case. And so I was glad to see that it reared its head um, in this film because that's just such a, such a cool shot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was a really cool shot. I, I considered that one just because of how it set the tone. Right. There was an eerie tone. Right from the beginning that that entire cold open Alex was really yeah. cool I thought. Uh, <laughs> very cool. Pretty pretty startling and frightening uh, I'm sure for its audience. How about a unique award? What would you have for your unique award Alex?
1: Um I got to give the, the my award is the Get a Room award. <laughs> Did you see how hard that wolf wolf man was going at that cop's neck in that alley?
0: Ooh,
1: that was something
0: <laughs> I did not. Oh man, yeah.
1: I don't know if I want to rewatch that part. Oh yeah, you do. <laughs> I know there's a specific group of people on Twitter that totally want to see that. Um, <laughs> uh, my, my,
0: my unique award Alex, is the always brings it bonus acting award. Um. And that goes to a person I considered for the Can't Believe the Acting, even Ooh. though he had like three lines in the entire <laughs> thing. Okay. And that was Dwight Fry. Um, Dwight Fry was awesome. Uh, like he just is always awesome. He's always kind of creepy. Um, but I just thought mm-hmm. he, he is in, in the three lines that he, he uttered in this film, <laughs> uh, he was fully believable. And. And actually kind of a complex character. He kind of changes his mind and goes back and forth a little bit um, with that group that he's a part of. So Dwight Fry, really, really interesting uh, as an actor. And he is, I wonder if he's the most recurring actor that we've seen so far. He might be. It's either him or Bela, one of the I was surprised
1: to see him in this.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's either him or Lugosi. Um, Yeah, for sure. Hmm. All right, man. Final thoughts uh, and tiered rating. You want me to go first? Yeah, yeah, let's hear it. So, as I said, I had a lot of fun with this one. I think this one is a fun time uh, because of the elements that we get. I mean, come on, we get the Wolfman and Frankenstein in a film together? It's it's hard to mm. complain about the fun factor in this film. And yet, parts of the film really do have me scratching my head and fall into uh, the trap that crossovers can fall into at times, which is uh, these plot conveniences or contrivances that don't always make sense. I think we see that here. Um, I'm left scratching my head a lot, but that doesn't negate the fun that we have. I think the ending, while not quite as impressive as last week's The Mummy Tomb fire ending, the water ending here is impressive in its own right and um, deserves to be commended even if it is an ending that still has me scratching my head. Mm. So with that said, this is a this is an upper-tier, camera uh, tier film oh. for me. So uh, I, I, I like it quite a bit um, it was when considering just the amount of fun that I have. As I said last week, I thought this was going to be a comedy. This was definitely not a comedy. <laughs> um, this was not. But it, it has me looking forward to some of the other crossovers. Um, I'm hoping they can match its quality. We'll see.
1: Yeah. Wow. Eric, wow, I'm surprised. Okay. So I, I, I'm very much in line with you. You know, my, most of my complaints are some of the side characters um, and some of their motivations, but my biggest complaint is the ending. But honestly, everything leading up to the end is exciting and fun we actually get an, a really wonderful Lon Chaney Jr. performance as the Wolfman. Man, and this and a just, wonderful musical score. Yeah, <laughs> yes, 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 yes! What a, an excellent musical number by a man with a, a actually quite frankly a creepy smile. He should have been a, he should be a villain, um, and I, I'm excited to to kind of see where the rest of this goes because I was thinking before this movie started that we were at the bottom of the pile, right? That, mm-hmm. that this was going to be bad. And this is kind of where we bottom out before we get a little bit of a resurgence, maybe towards the end of our series. But now I'm not sure. And, and I'm excited to see where some of these lesser talked about movies go. Yeah. So this movie is upper game gamma tier for me as well. I had a lot of fun. I think the performances are all pretty great and I just hope we get a follow up and, We probably do. If I just looked at our list, I'd probably know, but I'm not going to look because I like being surprised.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it is fun. All right, Alex, next week to ruin your surprise, (laughs) we've got the Phantom of the Opera, which is different. This is a different one for us. Is this Um, a
1: Frankenstein or a Wolfman movie? (laughs) It is.
0: Yes. (laughs) Uh, This is the ultimate mashup, Alex. You didn't know that about Phantom of the Opera but it is the ultimate mashup. <laughs> so do you have a rhyme that you can do for Phantom of the Opera? Do you need me to go?
1: I'll go ahead and go because I have a fleeting one in my mind and I'm going to lose okay. it if I okay. don't go. Um, in the Phantom of the Opera, will Frankenstein or Wolfman come on Toppera? Or if they're not in it, will we just be pleading for it to stop <laughs> Damn
0: like like you could have just said top and stop. Um but you had tried to rhyme with opera as well.
1: Yeah, oh, I'm I'm sorry that
0: I did extra credit. <laughs> uh no that's good. Um <laughs> I don't think I uh I'm trying to think of rhyming words with opera and all wow, that. Well, Eric, of is, you is, offered
1: is to go first and you have cock- nothing Chopra. <laughs> Um, Maybe it's Deepak Chopra's favorite.
0: (laughs) I know, it's Chopra. Uh, I know it is. uh, In Phantom of the Opera, we have a monster with a mask. Will it bask in glory or fall to its flask?
1: I was hoping to take a drink. Of a
0: flask after that one. <laughs> deserves it. It deserves it. Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> As always, thank you for listening to Monsters versus Men. Uh, leave us feedback on our singing in particular over at nvmpod.com or email us at nvmpod at gmail.com and we'll read your feedback on the show. You can also follow us and message us on Twitter and Instagram at NVM underscore pod. Become a bargain basemite mate at patreon.com forward slash Pod and receive weekly bonus content, including special reviews, interviews, and host chats. And if you can't join at this time, a review or share always helps. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornette. Executive producers are Faye Basir, John Freeman, and Michael Herndon. Special so thanks to our wives, Kama, Rob for PlayStation 3, which forms Sublock B, Louie Loops, Senior Honda, Jude the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next time, don't.
1: Pull strange dead bodies out of the ice, and try, and try to, to say alive. alive. Mafia, wake up, wake up! Wake up! You have created a monster, and it will destroy you. I just realized who would have won the battle. Who? Frankenstein's monster. The wolf man, most likely, doesn't want to get wet. (laughs) (laughs) True.